New research shows that black Americans are not receiving the vaccine at the same rate as white Americans. One issue is vaccine hesitancy, even among healthcare workers who were first in line. We visited a hospital in a mostly black and low income community on Chicago's South Side to see why even some medical professionals are refusing the vaccine. Chicago's new Roseland Community Hospital is waging a war against COVID in a zip code with one of the city's worst death rates. I'm ready. Though victory is in sight with a vaccine, so far 73% of staff here have declined it, like Rhonda Jones, a registered nurse. It came out just a little bit too fast for me. Even though the country's top medical professionals are saying it's safe, and that it's built on decades of research. We only know what's being told. We just don't know. If you didn't make it yourself, if you didn't cook it yourself, if you didn't do it yourself, you just don't know. Jones has treated COVID patients and lost an uncle to the virus. Some people might be surprised to learn that you, someone in the medical field, don't want to take the vaccine right now. Well, I would say that's just me being a good nurse because I tell the patients just because the doctor says this is good for you, you have to do your own research. When it comes to medicine and healthcare for black people in this country, the establishment did a lot of experimentation on us, a lot of experiments. Going back to education, there's so many of these stories and different things of where they have taken black people and used them as guinea pigs for different things and operated on them and, and basically used them as like a corpse, if you will. But we don't really learn about all that stuff in history. That's not readily known um, knowledge to most people. So there has been a long-standing history of the medical community mistreating Black people. They're recently finding journals and notes from doctors from the 1700s, 1800s, and how they accounted the tests and consider blackless animals and they don't think we recognize or perceive pain. You know, my wife works in healthcare. And one thing she talks about a lot is that um, there's this, um, not a rumor, there's a presupposition that black people have higher pain tolerances. And so they will let us suffer more when we're in pain. They won't give us the right dosage of drugs a lot of times to help us uh, mitigate our pain. It's a shocking you know, confrontation between a patient and an know, ER doctor. I'm sorry, sir, you were the least sick of all the people who are here who are dying. The hapless patient is 20-year-old college athlete Samuel Bardwell, who collapsed at basketball practice with an anxiety attack. He tells the doctor he can't breathe. <laughs> he can't inhale. Wow, he must be dead. Are you dead, sir? I don't understand. You are breathing just I mean, this is Dr. Beth Keegstra was working at a hospital emergency room near San Jose, California. She thinks Bardwell just wants to get drugs. So you need narcotics? Is that what you need? Did I say any narcotics? I just need pain reliever and anxiety medication. Because I'm in pain and I have anxiety. I said nothing about narcotics. The One of the first incidences that I was exposed to about medical malpractice in our community was through who is called, quote, the father of gynecology, J. Miriam Sims. He was a doctor in the 1800s who performed many procedures on slave women with no anesthesia. Yet paintings depicting Sims, Anarka, and other slave women presented a subdued version of his experiments. Even though anesthesia was introduced in 1846, Sims chose not to use it for his experimentation with slaves. 
His practices echoed one of the most prevalent and dangerous beliefs in medicine at the time, that black people did not feel pain or anxiety. This book from 1851, titled The Natural History of Human Species, claimed the American dark races bear with indifference tortures insupportable to a white man. Studies released as recently as last year demonstrate that black people are less likely to be treated for pain, particularly in the ER. There's even one from a children's hospital that found the same to be true for kids. And just this year, Pearson Education, a leading educational publisher, issued an apology and recalled nursing textbooks that included racist stereotypes, like this section that said black people often report higher pain intensity than other cultures. This is how black people get killed. When you send them home, and they don't know how to fight for themselves. I had to talk to somebody, maybe the media, somebody, to let people know how I'm being treated up in this place. She realized, because she, she was a physician, she realized that he was prejudging her. He made me feel like I was a drug addict. And he knew I was a physician. I don't take no pipes. I was hurting. Looking at her with his bias and either not believing that she was in pain or maybe thinking that um, she was faking it and uh, really not addressing her clinically. You just had a situation recently where a doctor, a black doctor, she died from COVID um, <laughs> and she, she told the people at her job that she had COVID and she went in for care, they sent her home and she eventually uh, put them on blast about how she was treated. Then she died a few days later. A doctor, a black doctor. And so if a black doctor can't even get good care, who in our community then is gonna get quality care? Studies show that minority patients tend to receive a lower quality of care than non-minorities, even when they have the same types of health insurance or the same ability to pay for care. As African-Americans, we've been abused for so long, consistently by the system, why should we trust it? Why should we go to one ill? And that's iatrophobia. That's a fear of the healer, you know, inculcated by the behavior of those healers, unfortunately. All African-Americans, when they think of going to the doctors, that syphilis experiment is, they're going to put something in me that I don't know what it is and I don't know how to treat it and I just start feeling worse as soon as I got to the hospital and it, it's back to that distrust. Healthcare has really failed black and brown people in so many ways. So for now, how can we trust? How can we, uh, um, you know, trust and, and, and just say, yeah, we'll just allow you to do and work on us and, and test us out. Those stunning comments caught on tape by a Houston woman who says she secretly recorded a doctor and staff during her surgery. Now, in these recordings, you hear remarks about her looks and her personality, and ABC's Gio Benitez has the story. Listen carefully, because few ever hear this. She's a painful
secret recordings a patient says she made from the operating room. Ethel Easter says she hid a recorder in her hair extensions before going under the knife for a hernia operation. Easter says the hospital workers made disparaging comments about her body. I was appalled, I was distraught, I was violated, thinking that I'm lying there naked after the surgery and they have me still uncovered talking over my body like this. And listen to this. Precious, yes. This is Precious over here. Saying hi to Precious over there. Easter considered that to be a reference to the main character in the movie Precious. It was racially profiling me, yes. I was offended by it. Easter says she decided to secretly record her surgery after a tense meeting with the doctor. We had some choice words to us in clinic when we didn't book her case within two weeks. Including, I'm going to call a lawyer and file a complaint. It doesn't seem like the thing to say. We have not been uh, treated with equity or respect in the medical community. Um, they continue to disrespect Black Americans by using us as guinea pigs in a variety of experiments. And while you know a lot of that is not happening in modern times, the uh, generational impact and effects of that and that lack of trust is something that we have to accept um, and recognize and honor with Black Americans. As a Black person, you're walking in and you're, our hands are in the lives of, of people who just don't really, who don't give a damn about us. <laughs> And it goes on to the healthcare system. When you go to the doctor they, and you want Medicaid, they treat you less than. What I've heard a lot is, oh, black people can't read the paperwork. That's why they don't want to um, fill it out. You know, they don't want to, they give you a stack of papers. Like, oh, the, the black, they can't read, they can't talk, and they just, we don't understand what they're saying. And um, a lot of the people are already stressed in their personal lives and they come to the hospital and nobody understands them. It's not as many people of color that they can see that can be relatable. And another thing that was very offensive to me was when me and Sharon were in the hospital, they brought welfare papers in there immediately. Like, that was the thickest thing in the packet. And I'm like, I actually said something. I'm like, so are you gonna act like I'm not here? Like, why are you bringing all these welfare papers in here? I'm not a deadbeat dad. I have a job, I have a good job. Now when I go to the doctor in my information about my background and I never filled any of this out, it says that I am white Caucasian and I've repeatedly told them, clearly I'm not white. So you need to change that in the system. And I had a doctor tell me, no, I'm gonna leave this in here so you get the proper care that you deserve. Now, how is a doctor gonna tell me, a doctor is gonna tell me he was not white, but how you gonna tell me that? So so now it proves the point that y'all treat us worse. You don't have a large, we don't have a large amount of black doctors in our communities at all who are taking care of us, who, uh, who, who you have to culturally understand a person. Our people have to be in the room when things that are cre being created to help us live, we have to be in the room. We can't be someone in the room who doesn't look like me creating a vaccine or creating medicine to help me, because how do you know? How do you know what works for me? How do you know what helps me and my family and the differences of our background and our foods and our habits? You're gonna do another study? Research done by someone who doesn't look like me? No, that's not the case.
I'm going to need someone in a white coat for me. In a lot of ways, Sims epitomizes the story of American medicine for Black women. It's a system that's failing them to this day. From infant mortality to life expectancy, the racial disparities in healthcare are staggering. The gulf between Black and white might be widest when we look at maternal mortality, with Black women three to four times more likely to die in connection with pregnancy or birth than white women. And that divide can be traced back to doctors like Sims, who contributed to a long, largely overlooked history of institutional racism in medicine. Studies have shown that when a Black mother has a Black or minority doctor, her mortality rate and her baby's mortality rate is cut in half. Dr. Carla and Rob Robinson, both inner-city Chicagoans turned Charlatans, have more than 15 years of medical experience contributing to the small group of Black practicing physicians in the country. Black doctors make up less than 6% of practicing doctors in America. That's compared to white doctors who make up 56%. It's heartbreaking because, as you mentioned, we recognize that uh, Black patients tend to do better when treated by someone who looks like them. A recent study by Stanford University found black doctors who treated black patients were more inclined to write detailed notes, give a clear understanding of a diagnosis, and provide holistic approaches to curing illness. So this is why we need a lot more opportunities and a lot more representation and a lot more funding in order to flip the system on its head. The only way that I feel we can um, make these changes is if we allow or we make a space for more Black people to become doctors or become policymakers or become other people in healthcare system, nurses, scientists, anything. The more representation we have, the less um, malpractice there should be in our community. My grandmother tells a story of hospitals in her day, one of barriers, one of trauma, one of fear. When we are sick, she pulls remedies from a tattered notebook Recipes passed through generations of those misunderstood by the world around them. She ensures this cold, this ache, this fever will break by morning. All we need is this prayer, this herb, this belief that better days are coming. She doesn't speak of bad health. She says with stern eyes, only speak life. A lesson, a warning, and a hope in one. Packaged words birthed from a time when healthcare didn't look like help for us. I feel this chill down my spine when I am ill. When my only option left is a doctor's office or the never-ending maze of a hospital. The fear that there will be assumptions about who I am. That things will be ignored like culture and beliefs. That I won't be heard. That history repeats itself. Fear that these hallways will be the same broken roads instead of bridges to new understanding. I envy those who don't have to sit with crossed fingers hoping. Envy their peace of mind and comfort. All anyone wants is to be understood, to be heard, to be told that help is actually on the way. On the next episode of No Church in the Wild, will analyze gentrification and the role it plays in both displacing and disenfranchising racially defined African-American communities.